Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Hey, we, have, uh, uh, we are on this uh, a really neat uh, journey that we started last week. We're calling it the road ahead, and uh, we um, have just begun to look at what will this year hold, and uh, we need to stop and take some assessment of our lives, take some assessment of our walks with Christ, take some assessment of are we, are we actually growing closer to Christ? Are we walking closer to Christ? Are we more prepared to follow Him every day? Are we pouring ourselves in a greater way into people's lives? Are we, are we loving Him more each day, and are we loving others? And uh, it's just a great time of the year, if you will, to just stop and pause, right? And all people do all sorts of things. They have, uh, they have uh, resolutions, and, and I hope this won't be about a resolution for you. I really do. I, ho- I hope it won't be about that. hope it's about making a plan. hope it's about really taking a, a, a good look at your walk with Christ and your faith and, your, and how it is that you're following the Lord that gave his life for you and called you into his family and called you into this very different life and to say, hey, I, I need to be more focused on this or I need to be putting my time and my energy into this or I need to be, and just take a good look at that and do it in relationship with him. Make that assessment of your life as you're contemplating what he's been teaching you and showing you. And Jason started last week and said, hey, we need to have a plan. There's a plan to grow. And that while the Holy Spirit's going to do all sorts of great things in our lives, and He's going to be pointing and showing and directing and guiding, we have to do that work to grow. We have to do that work to change. We have to do that work to learn. We have to do that work to grow up in our walks with Christ. And this morning, we want to look at a, having a plan to belong. Now, there's a quote. There's several quotes that I gave you in your outline, and you're welcome to look at those. I just thought some of them were fun and and uh, but I thought they were all had some wisdom to it. But this last one, I want to just actually share. It says, a good plan is like a road map. It shows the final destination and usually the best way to get there. That's just a, just a great statement about making a plan. And, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I can be somebody who doesn't plan a whole lot. I can just kind of fly by the seat of my pants a little bit and, and go from here to there. And uh, matter of fact, I did that over the break. And uh, we decided, we woke up the day after Christmas and said, let's go to New York. And uh, maybe that was a good thing, maybe it wasn't, but we didn't have a, too much of a plan. We got online, so let's book some cheap hotels. Can we find any? Lo and behold, we did. And I said, okay, well, I don't know very much about New York City, so uh, World Trade Center. Can we stay by the World Trade Center? We found that. So now we had a destination, and that's about as far as we got. And uh, we got in our car, put in the GPS, and found ourselves to the hotel next to the World Trade Center. We went to the memorial, which was just absolutely just humbling and takes your breath away. And you sit there, and, uh, well, we were done. Now what? A couple more days here, and this is a pretty big place, and now what? We didn't, we didn't have a plan. So we quickly developed a plan. I said, well, we were at one of the biggest spots on this side of Manhattan. What if we go to another big spot? Let's go to the Empire State Building. So we decided, let's go to the Empire State Building. And so we said, let's walk to the Empire State Building and figure that we could always find the Empire State Building in case we started getting lost. There's lots of tall buildings in New York. I didn't quite get that. But uh, 
figured we'd be able to keep finding our way. And uh, we looked at this little tourist map, and, and it said that there's Little Italy, which I'm like, that's some cannolis, baby. I've got to go there. And, you know, Chinatown, and the boys were all about that place, and some place called Canal Street where you could buy, I guess, fake Gucci or something. I don't know. And they said, let's go buy that. And so next thing I know, we're here, and we're over here, and, and we're buying the jam. Whoosh. And here's the great thing is we said we're going to walk to the Empire State Building, which means that after blocks and miles and detours and this way and that way, 10 miles later and six hours, we made it to the Empire State Building. But here's the thing. We always knew where we were headed. We were going to the Empire State Building. Now, there was probably a much more direct path I would give you, and uh, a plan may have been a little bit better, but... We had at least something to go off. Well, a lot of times we get to different parts of our walks with Christ. We get to different moments and we go, hey, I need to be more devoted to God. And I, I need to be more devoted to the church. And I need to belong to the church just a little bit more seriously. Or I need to. I, well, that's great. I hope it works out well for you. Because it will probably work just about as well as when you woke up on the 31st and said, I'm going to work out this year. It's terrific. I'm going to ride my bike. That's great. I woke up one year, and we were living in Colorado Springs, and I said, I'm going to hike Pikes Peak this year. I drove to the top at one moment, and uh, that's, about, yeah, that's about as close as I got. Unless you have a plan of how you're going to get someplace. Unless you have a plan of where you want to go. You can't just have some ideas, and the wind will just take you there. You've you got to put something together. And it's not that that becomes the law. It's not that becomes the only way to do it. And it doesn't mean that if I stumble along in it, that I, I've somehow not been successful. It just means that it gives me the place that I'm heading towards. And it shows me the boundaries and the best way to get there. And then we might actually find success, accomplishment. We might actually get to where we started off to go in the first place. And so we want to look at it. We want to look at this idea that we need to have a plan to belong. We have to have a plan to grow, but we have to have a plan to belong. Let's look at Romans 12, verses 1 through 5. And 1 through 5 will be up on the screens, but 3 through 5 is only in your outline. And, uh, but I decided we're going to back up just a little bit, 1 through 5. And we studied this last year, and uh, you remember that there was a real key word in there that starts us off. And uh, I guess I'm wrong. We don't have it up there. But it starts us off in verse, in verse 1, and it says, therefore, therefore. You see, what happens in the first 11 chapters is we find out who we are. We find out that we are sinners and that we are objects of God's wrath and that we are hopelessly apart from him unless he would step in and do something. And then we find that he did. He stepped in and he saved our lives. He gave his life on behalf of ours. And he gave it freely. And that he doesn't hold our past against us when we receive his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. And that we are, just, we are in his family and we become his sons and his daughters. We become brothers and sisters of one another. And our debt is forgiven. And the past we are set free from. And we are now in a relationship with him. Living our life with him. That's 11 chapters of Romans. And then in chapter 12, he says, therefore, there's going to be a response. 
by those who have received the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And this is what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Therefore, I urge you, in view of all the mercy, of the love and the grace and the sacrifice and the acceptance of Jesus Christ, give yourself to him as a sacrifice. That your very life is going to be lived in sacrifice to him. And then he goes on to say this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as God, I mean, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Let's go back up to therefore, saying, therefore, a new way of living. Are the people of Christ, those who belong to Christ, they're going to be a therefore community, if you will. Therefore, they will belong to one another. Therefore, they will consider themselves in sober judgment because of what God has done for them. Therefore, they will belong to Christ and then to one another. Therefore, they will be committed to the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Therefore, what does that literally mean? It means because of what God has done in our lives, he's made us a part of a family. But we are not to be just loose, random members of the family. We are not just supposed to be come as you are, come as you go, the laissez-faire idea of just being whatever we want the family of God to be. He says, no, you are to belong to one another, literally meaning you have authority in my life and I have authority in your life. Literally meaning that I am to submit to you and you are to submit to me. Literally meaning that you are to take care of me and I am to take care of you. That to be in the body of Christ is to belong to one another. And so let's take a look at Paul, who, remember, was writing this maybe uh, 30, 50 years after the ascension of Christ, after the first church kind of blossomed from the day of Pentecost. He's writing this. So he had had the, as he's writing, he had had something that he was seeing and watching transpire right before him that he was a part of. And he's writing to this church in Rome, and he's writing, talking of what the church should be like, what our response should be like. And he's saying, let me tell you how this should be. So let's go back to that very first church. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Let's go back to the ones who lived this concept of belonging to Christ and to one another, lived it out, who set a mark and characteristics that all bodies, all gatherings of believers should look like and resemble, should have characteristics like. 
And let's read there in verse 42, chapter 2 of Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We're going to look at several things because this group of people belonged first to Christ and then to one another. And so we're going to look at some of these characteristics. Because they belonged to one another, they were devoted to learning together. They were devoted to learning together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to learning. We need to take a good hard look at ourselves. Are we devoted to learning? To learning the word of God. To learning what it means to follow Christ. To learning what he wants for my life day in and day out. For learning what it means to love one another. Not as I feel to love one another. But as scripture commands me to love one another. What does it mean to forgive one another? Again, not as I feel, but as scripture has said to forgive. What does it mean to hold one another up? Not as I feel, but as Scripture has commanded us to do. What is it going to look like? We need to learn. We need to become students of the Word of God. We need to become knowledgeable of Scripture from the front cover to the back cover. We need to become knowledgeable of the nuances of Scripture. We need to dig deep into the history and the character of Scripture, for it is the very Word of God and is meant to be our living water and our living Bread. It is meant to give us nourishment day in and day out. Look, we have to have a plan for growing. We must have a plan. We live in a day and age where it is so easy to learn from pastors and teachers and from theologians. It is so easy and yet we so often don't take advantage of it. We live in a day and age that literally at your fingertip, you can learn from some of the best Bible scholars that exist on this planet, that God has gifted in special, amazing ways. And yet we rarely take advantage of it. You remember there was a time where maybe you could order a set of tapes or a set of CDs on somebody's, uh, from some church somewhere, but somebody had to recommend it to you somehow. Somebody had to like maybe visit that church or some friend of a friend of a friend told somebody about somebody about somebody. And you're like, oh, I'd like to hear a sermon about that. And you're like, hey, all you do is write this place. And then six weeks from now, they'll send you a case of tapes. And then maybe when you're interested, you'll listen to it at some point. But you better have your big Walkman with you to do it. Remember that day? There was nothing wrong with that day. We were able to receive a lot of great teaching that way. Or remember when you wanted to learn things from, you'd read from an author or from a pastor or teacher who wrote a book about different parts of Scripture. And maybe it would come out once in a while, or maybe there was several books a week that would come out that maybe you could learn from, or, or, or you could do, uh, go to the local bookstore and order a book. Well, now you just get to go to Amazon and click it, and there's literally like a thousand books a day that are coming out about the Word of God. We have so much at our fingertips to learn and to grow and to access knowledge about the Word of God. Are we taking advantage of that? Do we have a plan to take advantage of that? 
What about getting into the word daily, reading it for ourselves, allowing God to help us unpack it, using these resources to make it come alive and to be rich in our lives? I got a question for you. I know that we've uh, laid out our new, our new plans for being in the word for an entire year. Now, I want to go back to a year ago. How many of you in this room in the beginning of 2018 took the challenge to have a plan to get through the word of God in a year or to read a large portion of the word of God every day in the year? How many people in 2018 took that challenge and took that plan? That is awesome. That is so great. That's so great. And now, again, there's ups and downs. Oops, I missed a day or two or a week or a month, and, and you got back to it because you had a plan. You knew right where to go. How many of you actually finished that plan and made it through the Word of God in this last year? How many? Raise your hand. Yes, that is awesome. Woo! Come on. That is awesome. If we're going to clap at something in life, a bunch of you are going to stand before the TV tomorrow and cheer on Clemson, maybe, or Alabama, maybe. Come on, let's cheer on people being in the Word of God. That's a great thing to do right there. And uh, I would cheer on a West Coast team, but they didn't make it because they stink this year. So, but we're going to cheer on people who are in the Word of God. That is for sure. That is for sure. Now, listen, we have new plans out there. Are you going to grab a plan? Are you going to be devoted to learning and reading and being in the Word of God every day? I had a friend of mine who was at a church that I was at, and I had a chance to get to know him. And I want to just tell you a little bit about our background because it didn't make him special. I just want you to be absolutely sure that he was a busy person just like each of you. I want you to be absolutely sure that he had a lot on his plate just like each of you. Because I think sometimes we tell stories and we're like, well, yeah, that guy didn't have anything to do. If he had my life. Well, just let me tell you a few things. He literally managed the wealth of his family, a couple different foundations. There was virtually a quarter of our town that was named after his family who were developers and contractors in the area. He had his own particular con contracting company and firm. He was, uh, he, he was a, um, a consultant to several others, and he was on multiple boards in our area. He was a busy man. Didn't make him special, all those things. He was just a busy man. I wanted to assure you as I tell you this story. As I got to meet with him and sit down with him, I realized something that he had decided to do, and he decided to be devoted to learning about the Word of God. He had become devoted to learning about Scripture and about how to live out his walk and life with Christ. Every single Sunday, he devoted himself to being in church listening to the sermon of his pastor. And then every single morning, he would wake up. And he would wake up, at a certain time, and he would get on the treadmill. And as he got on the treadmill, he would listen to a couple different pastors, and he would listen to their sermon and their teaching on a particular part of Scripture. And then he would get off, and oftentimes, he would then open the Word of God for himself and read that same passage so that he could chew it up himself and digest it himself and figure out how to apply it to his life and what the Lord might be saying to him about that particular passage. And then once a week, he would go to a Bible study with other men in town that he would, uh, at lunchtime, and he would take a break from his day, he would go to that and be under a different pastor's teaching. And then about twice a month, him and his wife would go to a life group, and they would be under a different couple's teaching about the Word of God. And then he came to me and said, there's some specific areas that I need to learn. There's some things I need to grow in. And so we began to read some books together and really challenge one another and grow in specific areas of our faith. And then he started walking alongside other people. He was devoted to learning from pastors, teachers, theologians. He was devoted to learning the scriptures. Do you have a plan? Do 
you have a plan where you're devoted to learning the scriptures, to learning? You were asked to keep this today. I want you to pull it out. Hopefully you've signed your name. You've done all those great things. I want you to pull it out because this can be your tool for the rest of the message. I want to give you several things that you can write here because I want to make this as easy as I possibly can on you. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know what pastor to listen to. I don't know what sermon to listen to. I don't know what's a good teacher or not a good teacher. I don't know. Well, we want to help you. Or maybe you're like, ah, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what books to read. I don't know what part of scripture to study. Do I study systematic theology, covenant theology? Do I study the, the foundations to our faith? Do I, do I read the Puritan writers? Who do I read? Or do I read, you know, do I get into some Max Lucado stuff? What do I read? Well, we want to help you. You're like, I don't know which 365-day plan. Man, I just want to read the Bible. Well, we'll help you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just put a star on your card. If you want help, if you want us to help direct you, if you want us to give you some ideas, if you want us to walk with you in that process, put a star because we want you to be able to have a plan where you are devoted to learning the Word of God. We want you to be able to have a plan. And maybe you decided, hey, I'm going to sign up for the the habits class, because I just need to know more about prayer and reading scripture. Then here's what I want you to do. Write down here. I'm going to make it as simple as I can. Just write habits. Boom, habits. And you're like, I don't have time. You do have time. Four weeks is all you got to do. And we're going to walk through six habits to help you grow closer in your walk with Christ. Just write habits. Habits. Just spell it out. Habits. Maybe you like habit burger. All you do is write habits. And if you must write burger down, put that too. I don't care. But habit, and I'll call you, and we'll get you ready for that class and get you going, okay? Hey, they were committed to continually meeting together. They were devoted to continually, and that's an important word, continually meeting together. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. This wasn't a, a random thing. This wasn't, hey, when I have time, I show up and meet with my brothers and sisters. To belong to one another means that we're going to be in each other's company. We're going to be in the presence of one another. We're going to be challenging one another. We're going to be serving together. We are going to be purposeful about meeting with one another. For what? <laughs> to, to get into the word together. To learn from one another. To read scripture together. But also to serve with one another. To use our gifts and our talents in one another's lives to get to know one another, to get to know our, our history and our past, to know what it is that is exciting and hard about our families. But we have to be committed. It's a, it's a shame of what's taking place in the American church, but it's true. It's just true. It used to be that we counted attendance, and we said, who's, who's the regular attenders of a church? And we would count it by weeks. Those faithful members, those faithful attenders would come once a week. They would come to church. They wouldn't some, some couldn't make it back for a second time. Some couldn't make it to serve at a third time or a special event. But once a week, they'd show up to church. And then we've said, well, it's going to be every other week. And now the latest things that are coming out, that if we're going to count those that are regularly attending the church, that are regular attenders, if you will, then you're going to count somewhere between one and you're going to count a, a, a point of attendance between four, once every four to six weeks. Wow, that was hard to say. Once every four to six weeks. Now listen, things get in the way and life happens and we travel for work and we have all sorts of stuff that goes on. But if we're going to belong to one another, we have to be committed to being together. To being together in some capacity, in some form of, of getting to know one another. 
of sharing life together, which we're going to talk about in a second. We can't figure that once a month is just enough or once every six weeks is just enough. We're going to have to be committed to being together. So this year, what's your plan for being committed to the body of Christ? Because the bottom line is we belong together. 4.30 this morning, my, uh, my, uh, my son headed back to college. And normally that's not a terrible thing for us. We're like, hey, you know, it was good seeing you. We love you. We'll see you again real soon. But this is going to be a little bit longer of a stretch before we see him again. And he had been here for almost a month. And since we moved from California, this was the longest time that he, uh, that he had been with us. And so it was a little bit tough. We, uh, we had a few tears that we shed this morning when we said goodbye. Because here's the thing. We belong to each other. And I don't want to wait three, four, six months before I see him again. I don't want to wait that long before I talk or before I embrace him or, or before I, before I uh, uh, hug him or sit down with a meal with him or, or hear him talk but see his eyes and not just over the phone. You know what I mean? Because we belong to one another. He's my family. You are my family. I'm your family. May it not be the case that we live more like strangers and acquaintances and distant friends, but may we be family and really belong to one another and like the first church. We are continually meeting together. We're also going to sacrifice together. The mark of a, of, a, of a group of believers that belong to one another sacrifices together. Listen to Acts 2, 45. It says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. In John 13, 34, it says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, there was a couple reasons that I, I failed to share in that last point about why they met together that extend into this point. One of the other reasons why they met together on a regular basis is because they took count of one another. Remember, when they said, I'm going to follow Christ, when they chose to follow the way of Jesus, they were most times put outside of their family, put outside of their livelihood. They were for sure put outside of the temple. They were put outside. Then persecution came. And literally, when they would gather together and they would meet daily, they would most often start, I mean, many times at least, they would start by counting. Okay, we got everybody today. Where's Ezra? Where's his family? And they would find that they had been killed. They'd find that they had lost their life. And as persecution progressed and it got greater and it got greater, that would happen even more frequently. By gathering together, they identified themselves the way and made themselves a target. They had a lot to lose by gathering together. They have almost nothing to lose by gathering together, except for maybe some time, or maybe some leisure activity, or maybe something else. But they also gathered together regularly so they could find out what they needed, so that they could serve one another, so they could give sacrificially to one another, because it also meant they were outside of the social resources of the time. They were outside of the benevolence that would come from the temple. They were outside of the benevolence that would come from their family. They were outside of that, and they would take care of one another. And when one family was in need, another family would do what it took to meet that family's needs. When one person had a need, the other family or the other person would do whatever it took to meet that person's needs. Even if it meant selling property, which at the time you're losing your job and possessions and everything else, that was a really big thing to do. And they would meet the needs 
of the family of God because they belonged to one another. And they had learned the great lesson that all of us must learn, that we learn when we study Scripture, that we learn by meeting together, that we learn by sacrificing for one another. It's not mine. One of the first things we learn when we start studying Scripture is that it is all God's. Everything I have is God's that he has given me to use and, to, and, and to, to help others with. That every single thing I have, my day, my time, my possessions, my, my livelihood, my relationships, it is all that which God has given me and he is still the author and the authority of all of it. He is still the sovereign God that oversees all of it. And so it is simply mine to give back to him. So each day I start and say, Lord, this day is not my day, but instead it's your day. All of my possessions are not my possessions. They are your possessions. All of my time, oh, it is not mine, but yours. So the question is, is that do you belong to this body? And are you sacrificing for one another? Are you meeting with people so they would even know your needs to sacrifice for you? Are you growing in Scripture that you would begin to understand and learn that all that we have is the Lord's for him to use? Well, we want to help you with that because it's not just your monetary resources. It's not just your time. You were gifted to give to the body of Christ. You have talents to serve the body of Christ, to sacrifice for the body of Christ. We've talked about this a lot. We tend to think that all those gifts and talents we have are to go make more and to do more and to make names and to go do this. That They were given to us to pour into the body of Christ. They were given to us to sacrifice for one another, our time, our talents, our gifts, our resources, to sacrifice for one another. This year, what's your plan? What's your plan to sacrifice for those in the body of Christ and those that you will sacrifice for outside of the body of Christ through the body of Christ. What's your plan? Are you devoted to belonging to one another in such a way that you will sacrifice for one another? You got your tool again. Here's what I want you to write down this time. Maybe you want to learn how you've been gifted to serve. Maybe you want to learn how is it that I can sacrifice more. Maybe you want to learn I want to know more about what is this idea of sacrificing for the body of Christ? I get it for my family or I get it for a, a friend or I get that. What do I mean the body of Christ? Do me a favor. Put a triangle on there. Seriously, I'm making it easy for you. Right? I want to learn more about Jesus. Put a star. I want to, I want to know more about this idea of, of, of sacrificing. Put a triangle. Why? God's on top and he gives us all. And we give it right back to him. We give it right back to him. So put a triangle on there and we'll contact you right away. We'll contact you right away. Sharing life together. You're like, hey, didn't we just talk about that? We're going to sacrifice? No, no, this one's just a little bit different. Listen to what happened. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. First Thessalonians says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. It's hospitality. If we belong to one another, we're supposed to be hospitable to one another. We need to invite one another into those intimate areas of our lives. We need to invite one another into our homes. We're all about, hey, I'll show up at church. I'll sit behind somebody. Even if they got something in their head, I won't be too picky about it. You know, it's okay. But I'm not going to invite them into my home. Are you crazy? I don't know who they are. 
Well, what if they, what if they're messy? What if they spill their food? Well, what, if they, what if they take something? No, 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 no. We're going to open our lives up to one another. Why? Because we belong to one another. Because we're going to share life together. Because we're going to be hospitable to one another. Because we're going to be marked as people who pour into one another's lives and share what they have with one another. It's in those moments around a dinner table that we really get to know one another. It's in those moments around lunch afterwards. You're going to leave here, grab somebody by the arm and go, hey, you got time? Because I'm going to go buy a sandwich. Why don't you sit with me and my family? I wonder what you'll find out about the person sitting next to you or the head you've been staring at for the last six years in front of you. I wonder what you'll find out about them. I wonder what you'll find out about their needs and their wants. I wonder what you'll find out about their life with Christ. I wonder what you'll find out about their marriage or their disappointments or their successes. I wonder what you'll find out. Well, when we're hospitable and share life with one another, we find those things out. When we're hospitable and we share life with one another, we find out those things about one another that help us to serve one another, sacrifice one another, help us be more devoted to one another, help us to belong to one another. And we become a very welcoming church, a very welcoming church meeting people's needs at their deepest level because we're willing to share our life together. I have a life group that meets, and uh, it took an interesting turn this last semester. There was about three couples that ended up being able to meet this last fall, and we met, and uh, I had a big plan. We were going to do a Bible study. That's what life groups are for, to study the Word of God, okay? So had it all planned out. We would meet. We would do the dinner thing because that's hospitable and we would, you know, small talk thing. And then every night it was the same way. I would get my Bible out. I'd put it on the table. And the conversation kept happening. The talking kept happening. The then, then about life and this and that. And I'm like, the word of God is open. Nothing. Nothing at all. We get to the end of the evening and I'd be like, well, the passage we were going to study was blah, 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 blah. Let's pray. And suddenly I realized the most amazing thing had been tra- taking place. We were laughing every single night. We were celebrating the different things going on in our lives. We were talking about how we met each other and how we became couples. And, 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 and then all, you know, some of our hard times and some of our difficult times. And then pretty soon, there were scriptures starting to fly around about, hey, well, have you thought about this? And I read this this week. And all of a sudden, the word of God was being poured into one of those lives. I'm like, oh, Lord, aren't I the foolish one? You didn't have in mind a Bible study. You had in mind that we would share life together this time. Wow. Here's what happens when you take time to share life together. I found out that Brad is launching a new business this week. And if you just listen for 10 seconds about the journey he's been on, it is a God-ordained journey, and you will be encouraged. I found out that Jeff is looking forward to having surgery after experiencing chronic neck and back pain for an incredibly long time. And even though he has a rough road ahead of him, when you look at all that has transpired in his life, all the ways God has used this thing, it is exciting and it challenges you and encourages you in your faith. I found out that I was talking to somebody about walking with a friend through the difficult days of marriage, and they realized that God was using his own difficulties in marriage to help this person. And I was so encouraged that even in my difficult days, God can grab them and use them in somebody else's difficult times. And I met a, there's a couple in our church who's on a journey that's just an exciting journey as they now have three kids in their family that they're fostering, and they are a foster family. 
family and they're pouring into one another's lives. And who knows what the days are going to hold, but it is so exciting to hear their journey. And I am so encouraged in my walk with Christ as I've listened to their journey and how they got there and all the turns and twists that it took to get there. And then another couple who just said, we're in. We're going to begin the process to become foster parents ourselves and to listen to their journey and how they got there and what God had been doing in their life. It was phenomenal. When we share what God's doing in our lives, we become encouraged in our faith. But we can't do that unless we share life together, unless we get in intimate environments and we share what God is doing and challenge one another to walk closely to the King of Kings and to belong to one another in such an intimate way that we're willing to share life. And finally, we find that those that belong to one another are committed and devoted to praying and worshiping together. In 242, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of the bread. They devoted themselves to prayer. And right about now, many people tune me out. Prayer, yeah, yeah, prayer, prayer. I need to pray. Pray on my way to work. Pray. No, no, they devoted themselves to praying. One of the marks of a believing, belonging church is that they are a church that prays. They know the word, the word of God, and they're intimate with one another, and that prompts them to go to God on not only just behalf of one another, but seeking the wisdom and the counsel of the Lord in all areas of their lives. They're prompted to go before the Lord who has opened the door and said, rush into the throne room. Come boldly before me and share your requests, share your petitions, share your adoration, share your thanksgiving, and I will hear you. And they become a church that's absolutely devoted to prayer. What's your plan for praying more? Will you go to the habits class and learn a little bit more about prayer? Maybe that's how you'll start, right? Habits. You can do that, all right? Let me tell you some other things that are happening. Do you know right down the hall there's a prayer wall? On the way to the bagels, look over. You want to get a bagel? Look to the left. There's a prayer wall, and there's prayer cards, and you can write your prayer down every single week and put it up on that wall, and people will pray for it. But better yet, stop at that wall and take a prayer request and pray for it for the entire week, and then bring it back up and put it on the wall and take another one. Because we could be devoted to praying for one another because we belong to one another and we're willing to put ourselves in such a place for those that we worship with, that we're in a family with, that we will fight on their behalf. Did you know that Pastor Suarez meets with a group of men at 5 a.m. right here at this church? You can join them anytime you want, every single morning of the week, 5 a.m. There's a group that meets on Wednesday at 9 in the morning and at 6 at night. You can join them. We have church-wide prayer gatherings twice a month. They're the least attended thing we do as a church. Maybe this year you'll become more devoted to that, to gathering together and praying, going before the Lord. We meet at 6.30, 6.30 to 7.30 on the second and the fourth Wednesday of the month. I hope you'll join us. I hope you'll become a part of that. But I want to tell you a couple other things. When you put your prayer request right here, right here, this is a tool in your hand. If you put your prayer request, it is prayed for every single week. Our pastors and our directors and other faithful people of this church pray over these every single week. And did you know that the spiritual overseers of our church, our board, that right now they are praying through every single member's family of this church. And they are spending an entire month praying through every family. By the time it's all said and done, one of our board members will have prayed for your family 
for an entire month on three different occasions this year. We are committed to being devoted to prayer because we belong to one another. Will you join us? Will you belong to this body and be committed to praying, but also to worshiping? Malachi, I'm going to ask you to come back up with the team. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the Lord's Supper today. Because every time they got together, the first church, they gathered together. And they took the Lord's Supper. And they remembered and they worshiped with what God did. I'm going to ask our band, Malachi, band, everybody come on up. Uh, and they worshiped together in the midst of all of that. And they remembered what God did. And I'm going to ask our ushers and greeters to come forward and grab the cup and, the, and grab the juice and the bread. And they're going to pass it out while I continue to talk. Because sometimes I think we make it too formal, but sometimes I think we don't remember it well enough. You just go right up and grab it and start passing it out right now, everybody. So ushers and, and greeters, go ahead and do that. Because they gathered together for a meal, and part of that meal was that they remembered the life that was given for them. They remembered what God did. They remembered how he brought them into a relationship. And so as you get the bread and the cup, you just hold it and we'll take it together. And they remembered that incredible sacrifice. They remembered the love that was lavished and poured out for them. They remembered it all. And they worshiped him. And when we gather together, it needs to be a part of what we do. That we remember who our God is. That we're taking moments in a service and reminding one another of the greatness of our God. Of the sacrifice. Of the love. That was poured out on our behalf. That we would belong to Christ. And then to one another. And when we take it together in a gathering like this should cause us to look at one another a little bit and go, yeah, God saved me, but he saved my brother and he saved my sister and he saved my brother over here and he saved my sister over here and he said that we belong to one another and that we have to fight for one another and we have to help one another and to help one another grow up and to be committed to one another and to pray for one another and to share our lives for one another, and to sacrifice for one another. That literally, when we remember the body that was given on our behalf, and we remember the blood that was poured out on our behalf, we're remembering that it was so that we could be brought into the family of God. Have you taken your place in the family of God? Have you decided that you're going to belong to the family of God? You made the commitment to pour yourself out for the family of God. That you would learn from one another. You would meet continually together. Sacrifice. Share. Pray.
gave his body so that we could be a body. He gave his blood so that we could live in the midst of this body. We belong to him because of that sacrifice that we might belong to one another. This morning, let us remember his body that he sacrificed on our behalf. Let's eat this in remembrance of him. Remember his lifeblood that was given on our behalf, our behalf, that we could belong to him and to one another. Take this in remembrance of him. Let us remember and worship.